Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall, shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. He replied and said to him, Teacher, all of these things I have observed from my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, You are lacking in one thing. Go sell what you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At that statement his face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. So Jesus again said to them in reply, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were exceedingly, exceedingly astonished and said among themselves, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For human beings it is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. Peter began to say to him, We have given up everything and followed you. Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, there is no one who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present age houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come but many that are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. During this time, please feel free to remain kneeling, and do not think that you need to honor me with your eyes when Christ is present on the altar. A man named Soren Kierkegaard, a philosopher, once said, Reality is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. It's the same thing with our vocation, with our life. It is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. Experienced in wonder and in awe. G.K. Chesterton once said, Modern man is perishing for want of wonder, not for want of wonder, 
but for want of wondered things to wonder at. We've lost the power to enter into the wonder of our existence, the wonder of life, the wonder of God. This morning as I was praying the office from my daily prayers, there's an antiphon that kept coming up and it made me think of this evening. It says, Their own strength could not save them. It was your strength and the light of your face. Let the light of your face shine upon me, O Lord. Teach me your way of holiness. We're asking God to teach us. What do you want from me? Where do you want me to go? What do I need to do? That's the revelation. It will not be your strength, your initiative, your knowledge that attains this answer. If it's real, it can only come from the light of his face. Looking at God, looking at him, looking at me. That's what teaches us the way to holiness. The light that comes from his face shining upon me. There's three things that make up a human being's life on this earth. Our relationship, our identity, and our mission. Who, who I'm with determines who I am. My relationship, who I'm with, determines my identity, who I am, which then determines my mission, what I do. A mother who is with her husband and her children, she is defined by her motherhood and by being a spouse. And her mission is to care for her family. And so with we, the more we understand ourselves in relationship with God, we understand ourselves, our identity as the beloved son and daughter of God, and our mission flows from that reality. Everything flows from our relationship. Who is God to me that tells me who I know myself as and what I'm called to do in this life? If you think about it, this is exactly what happened in Christ's life at his baptism in the Jordan. The revelation comes. The water pours over. The heavens open up. The Father looks down upon him and says, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He understands that's the relationship. And he receives his identity from his relationship with his Father. And the identity is the beloved one. The one beloved of the Father. And then straight from there, he goes into the desert to prepare for his public ministry, his mission, which flows from that. And what happens in the desert? That's when the devil comes. The devil always comes to us after the revelation. And what does he attack in Christ? He attacks the identity. If you are the Son of God, change the rock into bread. If you are the Son of God, jump from the parapet. In other words, prove what's already been given to you as a gift. The devil 
always attacks the identity so as to distort our understanding of ourselves so that we change our mission. If he can change our identity, he can disrupt what we're called to do in life. It's the same thing that he did in the Garden of Eden. He attacked the identity of God when he came to Eve. He says, did God really tell you not to eat from all the trees? No, just this one. And if we do, we will die. What does he say? You will surely not die. God knows well that when you eat from this tree, you will become like gods yourselves, knowing good from evil. God knows well, but he's trying to keep you back from your fulfillment. He's a tyrant. He's an absentee landlord at best. And if you're going to satisfy yourself, if you're going to fulfill your destiny, knowing good from evil, you must take control, become your own God. That's what the devil does to us in the time of the desert. He disrupts, he tries to distort thy identity. If he can distort the identity of God to us, make us feel alone, make us feel abandoned, forgotten, then we have to take control of our life on our own. And it's the same thing when we sin. The devil always attacks the identity. God looks at the sin like a child who's been hurt, scraped. The mother's just looking at the wound, trying to fix it. The devil attacks us, saying, you're trash. You're worthless. How could God ever love you? He always goes for our identity. One of the most beautiful aspects of this gospel we just read is what happens when Jesus calls this young man to follow him? He doesn't just say, go sell everything you have if you want to be perfect, come after me. Do these things if you want to get to heaven. He says, Jesus looking at him loved him and said, come after me. He saw him in his love. Not the, the young man is talking about duty. He's talking about commandments, what he's done and what he should do. Jesus is just looking at him in love. The call to come after him, his vocation is revealed in the intimacy of love that Christ is inviting him into. One man named Viktor Frankl, he was in the Holocaust, Auschwitz for four years. He was a psychologist, and one of the things he wrote when he was there, he says, love is the only way to grasp another human being in the innermost core of who they are. No one can become fully aware of the very essence of another human being unless they love them first because by your very love you are enabled to see the essential traits and features in the other that nobody else can see. And even more, when you love someone, you see that which is potential in them, that which is not yet actualized, but can be actualized. 
and even more. By your love, you enable them to actualize these potentialities. And what he's saying is something we all know, something we all do naturally. It's when you love somebody, you see in them a greatness that nobody else can see, like a parent for their child. And not only that, you see what they are, but you see what they can be. And even more, you love them into becoming that. That's what a parent does for their child. They're literally loving them into the best possible version of their future selves. Love is the ultimate revelation of another human being. That's how Christ loves us. It begins with that look of love. And the vocation flows from that love. Not just do this or do that. It's Christ loving us into our most perfect selves to follow him. And this is where the problem comes in, because Christ is looking at him. He sees everything he can be, and he's inviting him to become that, because he sees the potential. But the young man, what is he looking at? He's looking at his possessions. He's looking at his riches. He's looking at all the things he'll lose by going into that relationship. And it doesn't matter what he's looking at. The problem is that he's not looking at Christ. And when you're not looking at the face of God, you can never truly know yourself in who you are and what you're called to be and where you're called to go. There's an African tribe. The way that they greet one another is they'll say, Sawubona, I see you. And the other one will respond, Sakona, I am here. But what it actually means in their language is that Sakona is, before you saw me, I didn't exist. Or when you saw me, you brought me into existence. That's what the gaze of Christ does to us. It brings into existence potentialities within ourselves that we would never know outside of relationship with him. But it's something that only his eyes can make a reality. Only he can reveal to us who we are and who we're called to be. It's not why it's not just about a checking off lists. Even our spiritual life can just be a bunch of boxes we go through. The ultimate revelation of who I am and where I'm called to be, what I'm called to do, only comes from the gaze of that face. Their own strength could not save them. It was your strength in the light of your face. Let the light of your face shine upon me, O Lord. Teach me your way of holiness. Everything flows from the gaze of Christ upon us, looking at us, loving us where we are, and loving us into who he wants us to be and where he wants us to go. And the devil's only goal is to take our eyes off the gaze, to get us to focus more on the past 
or more on the future, the uncertainties of what will come, or the problems, the ever-present problems that always surround us, outside of us and inside of us. The way you get through that is not by conquering the problems. It's by staying in the gaze. It is not your strength. Their own strength could not save them. It was your strength and the light of your face shining upon us. St. Augustine, the reason at the beginning that young man didn't have any desire to follow Christ, and very often no one who is called to follow him begins with that desire. It's a desire that grows the closer you come to him. St. Augustine, he defined, this is how he defined prayer. We go to pray not so that we get what we desire, but so that our desire may be transformed to want what God desires. We go to pray not so that we get what we desire, but so that our desire may be transformed to want what God desires. That is something that comes after the fact. I had, I'll be ending very soon here, I had a dream I have to share with you because it's a recurring dream. And it's one of my favorite dreams and one of the scariest dreams I've had in the past 10 years. And it only began after I started studying to be a priest and it happened just two nights ago. So I thought it was providential and it hasn't happened for probably a year or so. When I first left everything, I'd broken up with the girl and uh, went into seminary within a week of that time. So everything was so fresh. And I'd have dreams at night. The worst thing going into seminary was sleeping because you didn't, couldn't control what was going through your mind. And I'd have dreams that I was back in my apartment, that I was back with my friends, back with the girl, back with my whole life. And I'd wake up 5 a.m. in the morning when we all had to rush to go to prayer. And I just, my eyes would be covered in tears realizing where I was. It was like ripping the, the Band-Aid right off the wound and just having it bleed all over again. And that dream would happen frequently throughout my times, sleeping and believing that I had never left, that I still had the life I wanted, all the dreams I had. And then I'd wake up to the reality I was in and feel crushed. Well, over the years, something changed. The dream stayed the same. Even just this last week, went to sleep, and I dreamed that I had never left, that I still had my old life. I still had my dreams and marriage and, and movies and all those things that I thought my life should be. And I woke up clutching my pillow in fear and praising God that that was no longer my life. I was so overcome with fear that that was actually a possibility. 
that I wasn't who I am today. It's the same dream, but the desires change. That's what happens when we draw closer to Christ. He transforms our desires to no longer want what we want, but to desire what He desires for us. The greatest revelation of who you are and whose you are comes nowhere but from the Holy Eucharist. You really want to grow in your discernment. You grow in intimacy with Christ in the Eucharist. That's where the light of God shines upon us most clearly to the depths of our souls. And if you remain in that light, then He Himself will teach you the way of His holiness. And He will love you into everything you're supposed to be. I'll end with this story. An old, an old priest once, asked, once was asked by young people, what do we need to do to be holy in our times? And he responded, fall in love with Jesus Christ. And the boy responded, come on, Father, give us something more practical, something a little more real. And this 80-year-old priest looked at him and said, nothing is more practical than finding God, than falling in love in a quite absolute and final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and that will decide everything.